Good morning, Vineyard. Say good morning to your neighbor. Say good morning to everybody online this morning. See, I just realized that if you're online this morning and you're not normally online, it's because something went wrong with the clock and you're just like, I'm not just going in. <laughs> so they got their extra hours sleep, right? Amen. Yeah. Some of us up here are still waiting to wake up, but that'll be okay. That'll be okay. Well, we're happy to see everybody. Thank you for being here. Um, who came this morning with an expectation of God doing something in their lives right now? Something. Something. That's an awesome place to be. I was sharing with the, the team in our prayer time for the service about God as being the God of impossible, right? It was what I was listening to on the way in. and I don't really ever get those two together like God and impossible. In circumstances that are impossible, but thinking about that, that God is the God of impossible. So what, what may be things in your world this morning that are impossible or that you believe are too big for God? And I just pray that, that the Holy Spirit shows you, the Holy Spirit moves in your heart or your just your being this morning. Amen? There we go. It'd be nice if I turned my guitar on. So if you feel like standing, you can get to your feet. Um, we're doing some throwback this morning. So if you hear some things, one of the songs I remember playing for the first time 20 years ago. Unbelievable, isn't it? So who think they would remember a song from 20 years ago? That's what I'm saying. How would you remember a song, Melinda? Vineyard 20 years ago? Did you even know what Vineyard was 20 years ago? I figured so. Well, we just ask Holy Spirit come. Yeah. 
oceans of fear cannot conceive your love for me. Your love for me.
It's just a comedy of errors, so we start to cry. Then I can't read this chord sheet. It gets all blurry. It's crazy. All right. Well, this will shake the dust off a little bit. Oh, my gosh.
I think we got one more in this, don't we? There's no one like Jehovah. 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 Here we go. Behold, he comes right in. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining. Good morning, Vineyard. Awesome worship. Thank you, worship team. Great job. Good to hear some of the oldies but goodies. Oldies but goodies. Uh, Welcome to Vineyard. Welcome all you here, all you out in face paint land. And we'll be on YouTube shortly here. So always come and be a part of the Vineyard. We are continuing our sermon series, Christians Living in a Divided World. And we are blessed to have Jackie uh, giving us the message today. It will be for Romans 11, 11 through 24. So grab your Bible or some other source of scripture and be ready to follow along. The Vineyard Resource Center, we do not have to have bags filled tomorrow, but we have our first produce giveaway on Tuesday. So come and help volunteer again from uh, 11 to 3 to set up and from 4 to 7 to distribute and clean up. So we need all your help. Our first, first produce giveaway of the year. Uh, I just want to make a little recommendation. We don't have a slide for this, but uh, some of the men's group went to see the movie Jesus Revolution this week. And if you've not seen it, I would suggest you do it. It's a great story. It is the story of the Jesus People Movement in the 1970s in California, which the Vineyard came out of, which Calvary Chapels came out of with Greg Laurie and his Harvest Ministries. It's basically his story. So if you get a chance, why you might want to check that out. Um, what do we got next here? Oh, I, we got our marriage class, the fourth class for the meaning of marriage. It's a vision for married and single people. And again, for those involved, remember to read chapter 7, chapter 7. Make sure you get that read. Our youth ministry is having a bake sale next week. I know some flyers got passed out, but also there's a sign-up back in the lobby. So if you could sign up to donate something to sell at our bake sale, we would appreciate it. Uh, The youth has some big plans for this year. Uh, We uh, did a retreat. We're going to go down to mid-Ohio to see the races when we're running down there. So... We're going to have some fun things going on with the youth, and we need your help and support. So, again, sign up back in the back to donate something and bring a dollar or two extra to come and buy some goodies next week. And don't forget today's offering back in the back on the little table. Put it in, or you can put it in. There's a box outside the church. You can do it online. And a reminder to remember to give your building support also. So God bless. Have a day. Have a great day, and welcome up Jackie. Good morning. Is it on? All right. Good morning. Good to be here. Good to see everyone. Uh, thank you, worship team, for that awesome, awesome worship this morning and every every Sunday. Um, 
So I, I heard somewhere, I don't know if it's true, that the Sunday after uh, the time change is like the least attended Sunday at church nationwide. I don't know if it's true, but that's the rumor on the street. So you get a gold star for being here. Facebook, you all get a gold star for being up. Um, if you're here, or maybe you'll be joining us an hour later. Whenever you join, <laughs> we're glad to have you joining us. Um, I'm going to start with the word of prayer, and then we'll dive into the message today. Lord, I thank you for, for this day, for who you are, for all you've done for us, for your mercy towards us. And Lord, I just want to pray for, um, for everyone who's here, for everyone who's watching, for everyone who will watch. People are, are dealing with a lot right now. People are dealing with sickness. People are dealing with the sickness of, of loved ones. People are grieving. People are fighting through financial difficulties. People are lonely. God, there's so much on hearts. And so I just want to pray for everyone. Lord, you know what they're struggling with, and you also know what the answer is. You are the answer. So God, help us to trust that even when we can't see it, you're working on our behalf. Help us to trust you. God, we pray for healing for those who are sick. We pray for healing of of the hearts for those who are grieving and lonely. We just pray for your spirit to rest in this place. And God, give us understanding of the word that you would have for us, that we would would apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we've been doing this series on being a Christian in a divided world. And um, as we continue to go through this series, my hope is that we will all continue to just Think about what it means for us to respond to division and also allow God to search our heart with that flashlight of his to show us times when we may be contributing to the division. It's not something I like to think about, but it's something that I've had to acknowledge in my own life that there's been times that I've been contributing to division. And so um, Brent kicked us off a couple of weeks ago talking about um, from the book of Luke and talking about what it looks like to be in a divided world where people are insulting you because of your faith. And and Jesus told us that if you follow me, people are going to hate you. And so Brent gave us some suggestions from the word about what what do we do when we're getting insulted over and over because of our faith, which which is to be expected. And we have some unconventional responses to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us. Um, And I want to echo what Britt mentioned, um, that that passage was not about staying in an abusive relationship. It was not about not seeking justice, but it was more about when people are insulting you because of your faith, how to keep going. And then last week, Scott took us on this journey with Jonah. And Jonah talked about being a Christian in a divided world and in in a scenario where the division is about people groups that don't like each other, I dare to say hate each other. Jonah was not trying to go to Nineveh, and he didn't want to go because he hated the people there. And he knew that if he went and and spoke the word of the Lord, that they were going to repent. And he was much more content to see them perish. That's how much he hated the people. And God had to work on his heart and show him that, Jonah, the people you hate, I still love, and I want to see them come to repentance. And so that's been our journey so far. And today we're going to talk about living in a divided world. And we're going to look at divisions within the body of Christ. And we're going to look at a specific type of division and specifically how we can deal with it. And so as we uh, consider today's word, one thing I want you to, to keep in mind is that it might take sacrifice on my part to address divisions within the body of Christ. It might take some sacrifice on my part to address divisions within the body of Christ, okay? And so today we are actually going to come from Romans chapter 14. I apologize, I did not get that um, in your bulletins, but I'll have it on the slides. And if you have your Bibles or devices, you can follow along because I'm going to read most of that chapter because I feel like I say this every time I get up here, but the word is just so good. And so let's read it. Starting with verse 1. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. 
For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will only eat vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whatever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. But we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose to be Lord both of the living and the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person, it's wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. So then let us aim for harmony. I'm skipping to verse 19. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it's wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. Wow. That's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. All right. So here we're in the book of Romans, and and this is the letter that Paul was sending to the church at Rome, and he was sending it for a couple of reasons. Um, One, to just give instructions to the believers there and to really solidify what it means to be saved, what it means to be justified by faith. So he was really helping them to understand what it means to live out the gospel, And he also wanted to address some of the divisions that existed within the believers who were there in Rome between the Jews and the Gentiles. And this is something that we'll see come up over again in some of the other New Testament letters, that there were these divisions between Jewish believers and Gentile believers. Because these groups, they had divisions before they came to Christ. And so now they were coming together as one family of God, trying to figure out, how do, we, how do we get along when we have all these divisions and we're so different in the way that we live? Our lives and our cultures are so different. And so Paul was addressing the issue um, that the Jewish and Gentile believers, they weren't respecting one another when it came to some of their cultural practices. And, and they were condemning one another and rejecting one another. And, and if you've read the New Testament, you know that unity in the body of Christ is really important. Before Jesus was crucified, when he was praying, he prayed for us. He prayed for everyone who was going to believe in him. And he prayed that we would be one, that we would be unified. And the reason was because then the world would know that he's, that he's the real deal when they see us, that we can be unified. Jesus prayed for that. We see in Ephesians how it talks about when Jesus was crucified that that he put to death the the dividing wall between the Jews and the Greeks and all the hostility that used to exist, that Jesus put that to death on the cross so that they can become one, one new humanity, a family of God, so that we could become a united family of God. In Galatians it talks about how there's neither Jew nor Greek and that just means that those, those cultural identities still exist, 
but they're no longer the primary identifier when you come to Christ. And so unity in the body of Christ is extremely important. And so when there's disunity, it's not something that we should just say, oh, well, you know, that's, that's life. That's just how things go, especially if there's something we can do about it. And so knowing that unity with our Christian brothers and sisters is the goal, sometimes we need a practical example. And I like this chapter because it just gives a really practical example of how to address one type of division within the body of Christ. Unfortunately, there's a lot of reasons for division, but he gets, some really, he gets really practical. He spent the first few chapters just making sure they understand the foundational principles of Christianity, and now he gets practical because here's you guys are arguing, so here, let me help you. So the first point we see here is that if something is a matter of preference, then we shouldn't use it as grounds for segregation and separation. He says, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue about, with them about what they think is right or wrong. Those who feel free to anything, who eat anything, don't look down on those who don't. And, and the opposite, those who don't eat certain foods, don't condemn those who do. For God has accepted them. In um, some t- translations in verse 1, it says uh, disputable issues or, or matters of conscience. So there are certain things that Paul is saying, okay, this, this category of things is not worth arguing about. And they were spending a lot of time arguing about the cultural issues, arguing about should we eat meat? Um, what holidays should we celebrate? That question of should we eat meat could have come from the Jewish believers and, and their background of trying to follow the Jewish dietary kosher laws, or it could have come from the Gentiles who used to have practices where they sacrifice meat to idols and they're saying I'm in Christ now I don't want to do that Paul didn't really specify here which group was was wanting to say hey we don't eat meat Christians should only eat vegetables but he's addressing it here and he's also addressing the question of, of holy days and it was likely those Jewish believers who wanted to keep those holy days that they were keeping before they came to Christ as part of their Jewish tradition uh, they were also going back and forth about whether or not believers should drink wine, which I feel like we're, we're still going back and forth about that today in the body of Christ. But he's saying these issues, these, these kinds of, of things should not be grounds for rejection of one another, should not be grounds for division. But unfortunately, that's what was happening. They were rejecting the other group, seeing themselves as superior to the other group because they don't worship the way I worship. They don't have the understanding of salvation, the understanding that I have of salvation. And so that's what Paul was addressing here, the fact that they were rejecting each other. And his directive to them is to accept people who have different conviction on these matters of conscience. And to accept, it doesn't mean that, okay, we'll be in the same vicinity and I don't bother you, you don't bother me, we can sit next to each other. But accept here, he's actually saying to welcome to welcome those who may have different conviction about these matters of conscience, even those who have differences of opinion about which holy days we ought to keep, even those who have differences of opinion about um, what foods we ought to eat. He's saying to welcome them if they're your sisters and brothers in the faith. Um, and so when he's talking about these, these things in verse 1, these matters of conscience, these things that we shouldn't argue about, that's a very specific category of things. It's things that the Bible either does not have a very specific uh, command about or there's no biblical principles that we, we struggle to apply a biblical principle to that area. Now, we know there's some things in the Bible that are clearly we have to do them. God has commanded for us to do. There's some other things that God has said clearly don't do. There's some other things where we see some biblical principles and we said we can apply that to our contemporary context even though they didn't have these scenarios um, throughout history. But if there are some things that we've studied the word, we've sought Holy Spirit and we're still not, we don't see a clear direction in the Bible about, that's the small category of things that we're talking about here, the matters of conscience. Okay, so we're not talking about sin, we're talking about that small categories of sin. We, Things. We don't want to put everything in that category. And so with issues like this, where you sought the Bible, sought Holy Spirit, and we seem to be landing on opposite ends of the spectrum, I am following one thing, you're following another. On those issues, Paul is saying, 
That should not be grounds for division, even though we see that in our current context. Um, He says on these issues in verse 5, let each person be fully convinced about what's acceptable. And later he says in the chapter to follow your own convictions. So in other words, each person, you need to discern with the Lord what is right on the, the small category of issues called the matter of conscience and understand how the Lord is leading you. But then don't look down on someone else if the Lord is leading them in a different direction. And so we experience this today. For us, it might not be arguments over whether or not Christians should eat meat or eat vegetables. Um, But we may argue and separate over, do we worship on Saturday or Sunday? We may um, argue over, should, should Christians go to the movies? There are some folks who believe I will not step foot in a movie theater because God will not be pleased with me. And there are other folks who say, yes, I can go to the movie. I seek the Holy Spirit about what movies I'm going to go see. Uh, Same with watching TV. There are some Christians who have very strong convictions and there is not a television in their household. And they believe this this is what the Lord has said to me. And others who have television and again seeking the Lord about what kinds of things do I watch. So again, these are things, you know, there's not a Bible verse about movie theaters. There's not a Bible verse about television. There's biblical principles to help us make decisions about how to engage or how much to engage. But for the, Paul is saying here, the person who says, I'll never step foot in a movie theater, if that's the conviction they have after consulting the Bible and consulting with the Lord, he says, let them be. And he says, don't let that be grounds for division. Some other examples, uh, we, we've divided over, should women be able to wear pants? Should women be able to wear makeup? And we've divided over those things. Uh, should Christians use social media? Is it a Christian thing to do? I know some folks who have some very hard stances. That's not of the Lord. Christians should not be on Facebook and Instagram. But thank you, those who are on Facebook right now. I appreciate you. No. <laughs> we do not have that conviction. <laughs> but other people's convictions are we use social media but we use it in a way that pleases the lord uh we divide over music should contemporary christian music be uh allowed or do we stick with the the historical hymns is christian rap okay so there's all these things that we divide over um and again we can't let our paul is saying for these issues it's okay to have a stance but it can't be grounds for saying, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to fellowship with you. I'm not going to your church. We're not talking to you because you're in error. No, if it's a matter of conscience, if it's something that's not clearly outlined in the Bible, can't let it be a ground for division. And notice he didn't say in order to to come together and and stop arguing, he didn't say that they had to to all unify under, under one idea. He didn't say, okay, since you guys are arguing so much and can't get it together, let me tell you what to do. Since I'm Jewish, I'm going to tell all of you all, follow the Jewish dietary laws, keep the Jewish holy days, everybody do the same thing so y'all can stop arguing. He didn't say that. He didn't go to the opposite side and said, you know, I've been teaching you about justification by faith. You know it's not about works. Why are you worrying about these dietary laws or holidays? Everybody just be free. No holidays. Eat what you want. He didn't go in and say that either. So to achieve unity doesn't mean there has to be uniformity. That's not the instruction he was giving. He was given the instruction that on these specific matters, it's okay to have a stance. If you consulted the word, you consulted with the Lord. But we can't let that stance be grounds for looking down on another believer. And so to overcome division, it's not about being uniform, but he did give us some practical things to do in order to overcome division. And that leads to the second point. He said, don't condemn your brother. He said, let's stop condemning each other. He didn't throw out this idea and say, well, maybe you guys try to work it out. Like he gave a directive, stop condemning each other. He didn't give a directive about the food, but he gave, the directive was you got to stop condemning. So he's speaking to the issues of the heart. You got to stop condemning each other. If you're a true follower of Christ, if someone else is a true follower of Christ, we should not be in the habit of condemning people for their matters of preference. Condemnation means that we're rejecting them. We're showing contempt for them. 
In this passage, Paul uses the, the analogy of the weak and the strong. And he says, the weak look down on the strong and the strong look down on the weak. And in this passage, the weak are the people who are keeping those dietary rules and those are the people who are keeping those holidays. And they're, those people are, are looking at the other ones and saying, what's wrong with you? you? You're just a carnal Christian. You're out there doing what you want to do. You're out there eating meat and you know you shouldn't be. Or maybe in today's context, you're out there as a woman and you're wearing pants. What's wrong with you? And they're looking down on those folks. Or in the, this context, the strong were the people who were not keeping the holidays, who were not um, worried about the dietary laws. And the strong were looking down and saying, then you, don't you understand that we're justified by faith, that there's not works? Why are you so legalistic? What's wrong with you? And so again, it was not only do we have separate ideas, but we're using those ideas to, to, to look down on someone else and to me, make myself feel superior to others. And so I do want to say parenthetically that we, we do have a responsibility that if we're talking about issues of sin, we do have a responsibility to correct one another in love and to encourage one another if it's an issue of sin. But again, this specific categories of issues, the matters of conscience, it's not about sin. It's about just matters of preference, tradition, culture, and what are the decisions we're making after consulting with the Lord? Not consulting with my own opinion, but consulting with the Lord. So if one person says, this is the day I want to keep. I want to worship on Saturday. That's what I believe the Lord is leading me to. And but I'm doing that not because uh, I think it's going to earn me salvation, but I'm just doing it because this is my offering to the Lord. I understand salvation is free and I'm saved by grace, by grace through faith. If they make that decision... That's okay. If another has chosen not to keep a certain holiday, um, holiday or choose, choosing to eat other things, then that's their offering to the Lord. And their offering to the Lord is saying, Lord, I, I really don't want to get trapped again in legalism, so this is my offering by making these decisions. That's okay too. It says the Lord accepts them, so how can I condemn what God has accepted? What right do I have to condemn what God has accepted? I think I've um, shared before that I don't really watch a lot of TV, but I do watch a lot of YouTube. I don't have a lot of TV shows, but I do watch a lot of YouTube, probably sometimes too much. Um, <laughs> but I like YouTube because, um, you know, you, you can pick and choose what you want to watch, and there's a lot of uh, Christian content creators who are making anything from entertainment kind of things, lifestyle things, in addition to preaching and Bible teaching. And so I spent a lot of time watching YouTube, and there's a disturbing trend um, on YouTube uh, among some Christian content creators. And I will confess up here that today I think it's a disturbing trend. Probably a year and a half ago, it was a trend that I was fully on board with. I'm like, yeah, uh, and the Lord had to convict me. But it's a trend of people using their entire platform, making video after video to criticize other Christians. That's all they do. Anybody else seen that trend? Anybody, any of the YouTubers out here? But yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's a trend. If, you, if you're not a part of that trend, great, don't join it. It's not fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what they're using their platform, make video after video criticizing and condemning other Christians, other believers. And like I said, a year and a half ago, I, I was spending hours watching like, ooh, that person's a false teacher. Ooh, that person's an error. Oh, man, I used to like that. And I was spending hours and hours consuming this kind of content because I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm on YouTube consuming Christian content. But that wasn't the content that I needed to be spending hours and hours consuming of hours and hours of criticizing other people. And so, um, you know, and I understand that, you know, there, you, you want to be careful because with the Internet, people can put anything out there and say anything they want to. So there, there is lots of stuff out there, and I understand shepherds want to protect their flock and make sure they're not being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. But if we're talking about people who are preaching the truth about who Jesus is, if we're talking about people who are preaching the truth about salvation and what it means to be saved and how to be saved, they're preaching the truth on those major doctrinal issues. They're our sisters and brothers in Christ. Doesn't mean we're going to like everything else they preach, but they're sisters and brothers in Christ, which means we handle them differently when we disagree. So it's not beneficial to make video after video. Maybe I can talk to the person. Maybe I can pray for the person. How about that? How about that? 
Maybe I can pray for the person. But we handle, if they're a sister and brother in Christ, we handle them differently. And a lot of times these videos that people are making are not about the major doctrinal salvation issues. They're about these matters of preference. I think you should share the gospel this way. And I can't believe this person is out there sharing the gospel and saying this. Really? I'm criticizing someone for being out on the street sharing the gospel? Really? No, no, we can't do that. And I'm speaking to me. Like I said, a year and a half ago, I was, I was, I was all up in it. And God had to, he convicted me. Like, this is, not, this is not what we do. And it's interesting sometimes about these matters of conscience as we grow over time. Sometimes those things change. Sometimes those things change. There are people who maybe started off saying, I'm never going to step foot into a movie theater. And now the Lord has released them to see a couple of movies. Or the flip side, people who started off watching a whole bunch of movies and now the Lord has them in a place that said, nope, I need you to take a break. So there are things that change over time. And I'm spending time criticizing someone over this one point in time where they may be growing to something else. Um, And even with some doctrinal things, like I have some different doctrinal understandings today than I did 10 years ago. Was I a false teacher 10 years ago? I would say no, based on the biblical definition of a false teacher. I was in error. (laughs) I messed up. I would have hated to have folks making video after video about me when I messed up, knowing that I'm going to have a better understanding later. And the things that I understand today, I'm going to have a better understanding a year from now and two years from now. And so we can't spend so much time and energy condemning folks on these minor issues. You know, we can come alongside them, teach them, pray for them. But one of the things we can do to get towards unity is to stop condemning. Again, he didn't ask, he didn't say we have to come to agreement on all of these viewpoints, but we can't dismiss each other because of things. And so to lead to the last point, so if we're not going to condemn, what are we going to do? What does love look like in this instance, family love is sacrificial. I think sometimes it's easy to talk about family sacrifice when you maybe you're talking about your biological family, sometimes. Um, but if you're a parent, you've undoubtedly made sacrifices, whether you've been a parent for two days or 30 years. You've made sacrifices as a parent. There were things that you were well within your right to do as an adult, and you chose not to do them because it wasn't going to be in the best interest of your children. So you've made sacrifices. I was listening to someone talk about how it's possible for a person, uh, for a baby, when they're nursing, to be allergic to some of the things that the mother is eating. And then the mother has to work with the doctor to figure out what the baby is allergic to. And then when they figure it out, what does the mother do? Say, I'm not eating that anymore. The mother's within her right to eat what she wants to eat, But she's making a sacrifice, temporary sacrifice, making a sacrifice because it's in the best interest of the child. And so that's an example of biological family sacrifice and the meaning of marriage series. Um, Man, marriage, I hear, is pretty sacrificial. Both people have to make sacrifices. And it's, uh, it's, I'm like, wow, I'm more selfish than I thought I was. But get me ready, Lord. I'm I'm still, I'm still interested. All right, (laughs) but... Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of sacrifice. And so we, we understand it might be a little bit more palatable to say I'm making sacrifice for my child or the person that I'm married to. It's sometimes, at least for me, feels a little strange to say I'm making a sacrifice for someone who is in my family, my faith family, but I, I might not even really know them. We don't really hang out. We come from two different cultural backgrounds. We have different traditions. And now I'm making a sacrifice for them. But In the latter part of verse 13, it says, Decide to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble or fall. I know I'm convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat, but if someone believes it's wrong, then for that person it's wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. And in verse 21, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first read that, I was like, okay, come on now. 
come on, that's a little bit much, isn't it? Why would I not drink wine because of somebody else? That's their problem. That's a personal problem. Why would I miss out on my steak? I got reservations at the steakhouse. Why would I miss out on my steak? Because you think that eating meat is a sin. That's your problem. I need you to get in the word a little bit more. Don't interfere with me <laughs> because you don't know the word. You know, that's, <laughs> that's my, origi- my, my original reaction to that. But actually, Paul, he says in this passage, he's, he said, I'm, I'm very clear on the authority of Jesus Christ. I'm clear that I can have a steak if I want. I'm clear that I can eat anything I want. So he makes it clear. I'm not in error if I eat meat, but I'm going to make a decision. And he wrote, he wrote this letter before he was coming to visit the church at Rome. So this was the letter that was preceding his visit. So I can imagine that he's already prepared that when he's visiting with them, okay, this is not going to be a steak day or a steak couple of weeks or however long he was there. He's making a decision that if it's going to, to hinder the growth of my Christian brother or sister, even though I have a right, I have the liberty, Jesus said I can eat what I want. So I'm not sinning. I'm going to make a decision not to if I think it's going to cause someone else to stumble. And then he says in verse 15, don't let your eating, eating ruin someone for who Christ died. And other translations say destroy. It's like, Paul, come on, aren't you being a little dramatic here? Ruin, destroy. Is that, if I have a stake, is that really going to ruin someone? But again, what he's saying is don't be the person that interferes with the work God is trying to do in someone else's life. That's what it's about. And, um, and again, we're, we're talking about sacrificing our spiritual liberties for those who may be weaker in the faith, for those who may stumble because of our actions. We're not talking about I'm going to sacrifice and not have my stake because of folks who are just being legalistic and they're saying you should be like me. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being concerned about someone's spiritual growth and knowing that someone is in a struggle and I'm anticipating the struggle when I hang out with them, making those kind of sacrifices. I knew someone who uh, came to, to the Lord, and when this person came to the Lord, they had a very powerful experience with the Holy Spirit. They were not in a church, um, hadn't been in a church And in that powerful experience, when they came to salvation, the Lord was very clear with them about all of these things from their former life. It's done. Like, you're done drinking. You're done smoking. You're done listening to secular music. Like, in this powerful encounter they had with the Holy Spirit, it was so, all of these things became very clear to this person. This person who did not have a background uh, of a church that taught these things. It was just a personal thing that Holy Spirit was saying, I'm changing you. And these are the things I'm asking you to let go of. And so this person was like, okay, well, I know believers are supposed to be in a church, so they try to find a church to join. And they joined the church and found that being in fellowship with the believers there was tempting them real bad to go back to the old way of life that they had because they would go to fellowships and maybe people would have a glass of wine and be playing music that wasn't Christian music, and they were feeling really tempted to turn away and go back. So that person just chose to withdraw from being in fellowship with the church. Now, the church, they, this was, they had no clue that this per- church was struggling. So this was not, there was no intentional ill intent here. They had no clue. But let's just play it out. Let's pretend, what if the people in this fellowship didn't know this is a new believer who is, is, is feeling um, tempted when we're doing these things? Would it have been that much of a sacrifice for the, the two times a month they go out to dinner together to say, okay, when we go out to dinner, I'm not going to have a glass of wine two times a month when I'm with you. Would that have been that much of a sacrifice? Would that have been that much of a sacrifice for them to say, okay, when we're having our t- together two times a month, we're going to play worship music? Would that have been that much of a sacrifice if I knew that that's helping you grow in Christ? And you might not be in that same place a year later or two years later, but since I know you're there today, I'm going to sacrifice, even though I'm well within my right to do these things biblically. I'm still going to make a sacrifice because your growth, knowing that you might stumble, that's more important. Love trumps liberty. Yes, I have the liberty, but my love for you trumps the liberty. So can we sacrifice for the sake of unity for someone else's Christian growth? Um, Some of you know I like to have folks over. Uh, to my house, and I, I never, uh, I don't serve alcohol when I have folks over, and I have some people ask me, oh, you think alcohol is a sin? I'm like, no, I actually don't think drinking wine is a sin. Um, but I do it because of this passage, 
because of this person's story, another person's story who I knew for years and had no clue they were struggling with alcohol, had no clue that they were struggling. And, so, and, and, and also I know some people very closely whose lives have been destroyed by alcohol. And so for me, my choice is if I'm entertaining at my house, it's better for me to err on the side of fruit punch than to, to inadvertently cause someone to stumble. Uh, for me, it's better to, to serve, I was about to say tap water, but filtered water, uh, <laughs> the folks when they come over than to set someone up. And again, this, this is just, and again, we're talking about the matters of conscience. So this is my conviction. So that means I can't expect it to be your conviction, right? Because Paul says I can't. But that's just one of the examples of what it might mean to sacrifice for the sake of unity. It might mean I was sharing with someone that I knew someone, and I was, um, they were talking, or I, they weren't talking about it. I figured out that they go to a church where women can't wear pants. And I'm like, okay, now that I know that, when I go visit them, I'm going to wear a skirt. Not because I have to, not because the Bible requires it, because I have skirts. And <laughs> why not? If, if, if I already know going in they're going to be offended by pants, and I'm visiting them twice a year, I can put on a skirt for that visit rather than saying we're never going to be in communication with each other. So again, this is just little sacrifices we can make to help uh, the weaker brother. Because at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that can divide us, but the things, these, these small matters of conscience, it's not worth it for them to be grounds for division. At the end of uh, Scott's sermon last week, he had like two or three full slides of just groups that have animosity towards each other. He, he, he shares some of the, the sports divisions, the, the OSU versus Michigan and, and Steelers versus Browns, and then some of the other ones, Democrats versus Republican or, or straight versus LGBTQ. God forbid that Christian versus Christian is on that list because I'm too arrogant to make a small temporary sacrifice in a moment. So if it's a matter of preference, don't use it as grounds for segregation. Let's not condemn our brothers and sisters in Christ and let's commit to a family love, sacrificial love. Again, it doesn't mean uniformity just means we're not rejecting other people who have different convictions. That's how we move towards unity. Romans 14, 19, so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this word, um, which I know for me, back when I first encountered it, seemed a little a little odd, and it seemed to be asking a bit much. <laughs> but, Lord, I thank you for demonstrating for us what love looks like and for showing the small sacrifices we can make in, in moments to help another sister or brother. Lord, I thank you that you speak to us. And I just ask that you would speak to us in this moment. Is there some place, is there something in my heart where I've been looking down on someone else because they don't, have the same conviction that I have. Lord, if that's true, I ask that you would show it to us and that you would then show us how we can make the small sacrifices for the sake of love, for the sake of unity. Not that we have to conform to someone else's way of doing things, but we want to demonstrate love. So God, show us those places in our heart that you want to change. Show us those actions you would have us to take. And Lord, we pray for greater unity within the body of Christ. Lord, I even want to pray in this moment for those folks on YouTube who are constantly making the videos that you would soften their hearts, that we would have a stance of praying for one another when there's error or going to one another personally. Lord, we want that kind of unity where the world will know that you are the Savior because we are unified, because unity is so hard but they'll see the miracle of unity within the body of Christ. Change us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, before we go, just one more thing. Um, I feel like there's someone who you've been struggling to hear God about a next step, and you're like, I'm praying and praying, God, what's the next step I need to take? And God just wants to remind you of the last thing he asked you to do, and he's saying, go ahead and do that last thing 
that I ask you to do and take that step, and then the question that you're asking about the next step will be more clear. So whoever that's for, if it's in person or online, that's take it and do what the Lord says with it. But we will be available for prayer. Um, you made it. I, I didn't see too many people fall asleep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. God bless. Come on up for prayer if you like it.